you want to ditch feature dumping, build trust and earn the opportunity to become your prospect's trusted guide, then say hello to the Influential Communicator newsletter. Now, listen, my friend, my intention is clear because with one actionable weekly email keyword actionable my goal is to transform you into a captivating storyteller communicator and presenter so if this is a bit of you then head on down to www.theinfluentialcommunicator.com to register now and by the way if you do sign up know that you'll also receive my free guide on how to craft a punchy and high converting elevator story i'll see you on the other side Welcome to the Influential Communicator Podcast, where my mission is to help B2B salespeople sell more by becoming authentic storytellers and impactful communicators without suppressing who they truly are or their values. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani, and without further wait, let's get into it. In August 2010, the Milwaukee Bucks took a chance on Patricia McLaren as she began her career as a professional dancer in the NBA. A vigorous rehearsal schedule, workout regimen, and level of precision was exactly what it took to succeed. And she simultaneously decided to take those skills into the world of sales. And after leaving a career behind as a dancer, she went all in and dove headfirst into the arena of tech sales over in San Francisco. But people, but in December 2017, she said, yo, listen, I need to press pause because I need to get introspective and start the new chapter of my life. And that's when her personal development journey truly began. I'm talking about teaching yoga in Bali, traveling the world, and also helping sellers craft compelling outbound sales campaigns that convert. And about 10 months later, RevShop was born. And today, while Patricia is the CEO of RevShop, who see themselves as the LeBron of sales execution technology. And today, I wanted to talk to Patricia about something which I actually think is a superpower. And I'm not just saying that, people. I said it to her in the green room, all right? I'm not a liar, all right? Truthfully, this is why I wanted to bring her to you today, because I think she's a master of changing your story or her story so you can transform your life, aka how she did with hers. So welcome to the show, my friend. It's good. Thank you so much. So excited to be here. Do you say that on every podcast you go to? Do you say, oh, hey, I'm so excited to be here. Is that a line? Have you hit me with a line, McLaren? Is that what you did just there? That's usually like the the soft intro, but I am genuinely really excited to be here and to have this discussion. <laughs> when we connected about a month or two ago, everybody, within 30 minutes, I was like, okay, I think I've got a new BFF. And immediately we connected on all things spiritual business. It was crazy. So for those listening, Patricia has actually flown from Austin to Portugal and just hang out in Europe for a month. So I'm curious, what does your average day look like now? I don't have to get up super early because the United States is still sleeping. I have about six hours uh, on my team. And so I wake up and can really invest in myself and my personal practices 
which has transformed my mornings. It's a slower pace. So I can get up. I enjoy the sunshine. I'm in Porto. It's right on the water. So I'm able to go take a beautiful run to the beach. And then I come home and have a slow breakfast in the sun and do some meditation and journal. And then I can take a deep breath and ah, I can sit down and I can start my day from such a grounded and centered place. And instead of waking up and checking the phone and, you know, being rushed in the morning and hopping in and kind of already starting the day on a little bit of chaos. So it's been a true gift to just slow down and really invest in myself in the morning. I think slowing down is massively underrated in the world that we live in today, which is just obsessed with scale and more and adding things. And I think you can tell when somebody's energy or rather nervous system is in a calm place because they're they're lighter, they're a little bit more chilled. And often you don't get that. You don't get that in the US and the UK as much. Definitely. Yeah, you can feel it. It's it's contagious for sure. Just somebody's kind of you know, on edge. And I think it's, it's just part of the culture. We, we live in a society that feeds off of productivity and how much you can accomplish and, you know, go, 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 go. We're never done where there's always more, there's so much to do and it's all about doing. And we've lost sight on how important it is to just be and just, just move at a slower pace sometimes instead of attaching our value to, you know, what, what we do and how much of it we're able to do. And so it does take a little bit of restructuring. And I think in order to get ahead in that world, in our world, of, you know, in our professional world, we actually do have to slow down and have the strong foundation of our personal lives and our, get our head on straight to be able to perform at a level that allows us to succeed in that environment. It's, a, it's an interesting double-edged sword there in a, in a couple of ways. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose, you know, it segues beautifully into the world of NBA dancing, right? Performing at an elite level, having to operate in a way where it's go, go, go. So what I'm curious about with you, and I didn't get to ask you this when we first connected, was can you tell me about the time when you first realized, ah, you know what? I want to be a professional dancer and I want to do it in the NBA. I wish I had a really strong moment in time where that was the case, but it kind of naturally happened. It it was an organic opportunity that presented itself to me. I've danced my whole life. So I grew up as a dancer when I was a young kid. I was in in competitive dance. Uh, I was always in class, ballet, tap, jazz, hip hop, all of it, belly dancing, you name it. I did it. I did all of it. And I was constantly on stage and I was constantly performing. And when I stopped competitively dancing and I was in college, I really missed that performance element and having just having that much structure around dance. I, you know, it just was a missing part of my life. And so I actually had a friend who I went to school with and she said, I just joined the NBA and I really enjoy the sisterhood and the performance element. It kind of is like competitive to the next level. You should try. And she kind of coached me through the audition process, which is pretty difficult. It was pretty uh, nerve wracking to say the least. And I made the team. And that's that's sort of how it was presented to me, uh, that it, it was a way for me to reintroduce my passion back into my life rather than choose it as a career. It just sort of organically became that. That's just crazy. So you, it wasn't actually intentional. You stumbled upon it purely by accident. And I find that interesting because you you 
got to the highest level in what you were doing, right? Milwaukee Bucks, Golden State Warriors. And was there ever a moment when you decided to pivot that you felt uncomfortable because your identity was wrapped into the success of reaching the heights of professional dancing? We could spend the whole conversation on that for sure. I, I think <laughs> I think we we Okay. I at least for me personally, I I've wrapped my identity around what I do a lot of the time, right? And so that that identity of being an NBA dancer and also the the identity that they place upon you as an NBA dancer. They actually give you like a magazine cutout of what you're gonna look like for the year. They're in charge of your image. They give you guidelines on how to interact with the public and you have to sign it. And it's like, boom, here's your identity. And so it very much is wrapped up in, in that and who, who you are. It's a big part of who you are. I think for me, there was a really big shift in, I had a huge shift in identity when I was coming out of that world. Uh, I was also working full-time in retail management. I was running 14 shoe stores in the Bay Area um, as a district manager and and also dancing and having you know that rigorous schedule and the the workout regime and the training and practice and game days, all of it. And so it something had to give and I wanted to focus my time on my career and close that chapter of dance. And that did come with a huge identity shift of okay, I've been this has been I've been Patricia, the NBA dancer for so long. Now I get to dictate what I like, what I what I want to look like, what I want to eat, how I want to engage with the world, what I want to do, how do I want to spend my time? And so I got to sort of reconstruct myself and show up in ways that felt authentic to me rather than what was dictated to the ex- by the external world. And so it, it, again, was sort of like a inflection point in my life where I needed to make a decision and I, I gravitated towards the career and Um, improving myself there, which kind of created this new identity shift for me as well. It's funny, and I don't know if you feel this way too, but I think in the world of sales, a lot of people struggle with, and I think subconsciously and consciously, an identity crisis because they're so used to being a chameleon. They morph themselves into who they think the client wants. And as a result, they slowly lose parts of themselves and they're like hold on what do i actually like like who who am i and you mentioned the words reconstructing your character's the wrong word but the next version of yourself could you talk through a few steps that you did at that time to step into that next version of yourself and leave the previous stories that you were telling yourself behind totally totally i think that's a huge part of the journey that we're on as humans. You know, people say, oh, like we're here, what is our purpose? We're here to find our purpose. A lot of people find purpose in um, their careers. I think for me, it's become like, how deeply can I understand myself? How deeply can I know who I am to be able to show up authentically and connect deeply with the world around me and experiences around me because I know who I am at a deep level. And so you touched on, Salespeople sort of having this chameleon aspect and maybe losing themselves a little bit because I I tend to see that too. I agree with you. It's like, especially people who are new in sales, they're given a script and they're kind of given the the way to do things. This is how you do it. And this is how you show up, right? And the ones that we see 
sales salespeople that tend to do really well bring themselves forward. They're able to really show up authentically and they use that as a guideline, but they make it their own, right? And they're able to connect with the person on the other side and not just the role or the hat that they're playing in the sales process. And so when I think about reconstructing or just relearning or building uh, who you are, I think about what it takes to master something. (laughs) And so it takes a lot of practice, right? If you're, or it takes a lot of education. It takes a lot of uh, discipline to really master something. When it comes to mastering ourselves, you have to give the same discipline and you have to put yourself into new experiences and you have to try different things to see what you like and what you don't like. You have to spend time in reflection. You have to practice. And so for me, it was all about expanding myself and doing things that I had met that I was uncomfortable with. Uh, I ended up, you know, le- selling all my shit, quitting my job, booking a one-way ticket to Japan. And I backpacked all over the world for a year. And I put myself in so many situations that I would otherwise never, you know, never put myself in. And I was challenged and I did a wide variety of things like, you know, uh, sat with a monk for a month in Bali and learned philosophy and did yoga for, uh, you know, a month. I got super lost in Japan on the train stations. I, you know, just, just putting yourself out there and seeing what really resonates with you is so important. Have living that variation and gaining all of the perspective to see what lands. And that's how you can really master yourself and be able to show up authentically because you've designed it. You know what that, you know, again, what, what resonates with you and what doesn't. And I think in order to really, you know, show up that way, show up authentically, we have to know our truth. Right? Like, I'm not going to go speak to a panel of doctors about brain surgery because I don't know anything about brain surgery. That's not my expertise, right? But I can speak very clearly and I can speak from a mastery level about myself. I have studied the book of my life. I have studied me. And so that comes naturally. That's a confidence that I don't need to think about because I've studied it so much. I've practiced that so much, just as if it were a skill or you know, something we go to school for or in sales, we practice those skills. And so I think it takes, again, that wide uh, spectrum of variety and experience and pushing yourself beyond situations that you necessarily like, maybe take the preference out and see what resonates, see, see what sticks and continue to practice that and continue to be diligent about learning more and more about yourself. So it sounds as though from what I'm hearing, and you can definitely correct me, right? But it's the idea of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, figuring out the nuances of what you love and what you like and following that energy so you can receive more of it on a daily basis and seeing where it takes you. And I think one thing as well that actually, I don't think, I feel like I know about you. And I'm, I'm going to put myself out there, right? Because we've only connected once over a call before. But I feel like you're somebody who's very, very comfortable with solitude. Very comfortable with solitude. And being able to sit with one's own thoughts. And I think that's an art. Because I know a lot of people, real talk, who are scared to be alone. They're constantly having to be around people because... 
often we're running away from something or we just don't like ourselves. You know what I'm saying? So is that a skill that you've developed over time or is Patricia always been wired that way? I have not always been wired that way. And that's, that's a huge part of the journey as well. So hundred percent agree with you that spending time in solitude is the best way to get to know yourself Mm. without external distraction, without external influence. You know, if you're with your friends or you're with your family, they're going to naturally share with you their thoughts most of the time because they love you and they want to see you do well and they want to see you succeed and what works for them. They want to share it with you, but it's, it's up to you to dictate what you want to do, make decisions, what you like, what you don't like to find your own center. And so to be able to spend time with yourself and not have external distraction is, a, is key to, you know, building that inner, just a stronger inner dialogue and inner truth. I love my solitude now. I actually, I used to be very extroverted and I've always, I used to go, you know, to my social circles or to, you know, external events and everything to get energy. And now it's a very internal journey. And now I, I crave having that solitude to be able to recharge. And it's so important for me, especially in the mornings to just level set and not have those external distractions to just figure out, okay, who am I? What is true? What is true for me? And how do I want to move about my day? So it's a huge component of really learning about yourself is to create those moments of solitude and space. Mm, We're so similar in that sense, because people assume that I'm an outright extrovert because I love, you know, stages, delivering keynotes and workshops and whatnot. But I charge up my batteries in solitude. So I actually consider myself an ambivert versus an outright extrovert. And you're nodding your head there. So you actually know what that term means. When I normally say that to people, they're like, what do you mean, man? Have you just made up that term? I'm like, no, real talk. It's an actual thing. It's an actual thing. It's like the in-between, right? It's like a combo, I think. I'm the same way too. I'm a founder, a leader, and I'm constantly uh, of service. Like I'm constantly external. And even when I'm with my team or at an event or if I'm on the road, like I have to, I have to recharge by myself. It's so important for me because again, we, you learn so much about yourself when you're alone and that you you end up like really craving that alone time to be able to just recenter and, uh, and to again, be of service, be the best leader that you can be. It starts with you. It starts with that internal alignment. Totally. I feel you, my friend. I feel you on that. And you know what the ugly thing is as well is the work is never done, which is ugly and beautiful because you're like, man, I'm making so much progress. And then you realize how much you don't know and how much self-mastery really takes. And if we're ever really going to get there is a question mark. So we've heard a lot about the successes and who you are today, but what's one story you're telling yourself today, which you know isn't serving you, but you're working through it to shift the narrative? That's such a good one. So this is one that I've been uh, meditating on a lot and journaling about. Those are two major practices in in my life. And I have a lot of goals for myself and for RevShop as a company and where I want to take this business and what that outcome means for me in my life and the people around me and my loved ones and just the lifestyle that I want to live why it's like the why why do we do everything that we do why do we put so much into 
you know, our, our careers and our development is to reach a certain point in our lives or to, to meet those goals. And the story that I'm telling myself right now is I have to hurry up and get there. And I have so I, I need to focus everything to get there. And I'm missing a lot of the beauty and a lot of the success and the life that I can live now in the present. It's like this, uh, you know, you, until you reach that point, you're not there yet. It's like, keep working, <laughs> you know, and we miss so much of the beauty and we, we miss so much potential that we actually already have to live the life that we have designed for this future self, right? One of those things is, you know, being able to travel for me. And I said, you know what? I don't need to wait for a specific thing to happen in my life to live that lifestyle now. I'm going to book my one way to Portugal and here I am, right? So it's this narrative of like, you you aren't where you want to be yet. So you can't be fully happy. You can't actually live in the present moment and enjoy and actually recognize the success that you actually have in your life now. It's like, you have to, you have to pay attention to those and you have to live now. It's great to have those goals. It's great to, you know, want to achieve so much in your life, but don't forget about what's in front of you. And don't forget to actually really, really savor the present moment and the chapter that you're in now, because you're not going to get it again. And it's actually going to be the one that you look back on and you you look at at with such joy and such satisfaction. So that's a story right now that I'm deep in and, and, you know, continuing to work on. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because I know it's not easy to talk about something that you are actively working on and processing. And what I'm curious to know, and this is for a lot of people listening, and let me give you some context. I think a lot of people, including myself, when they feel in a hurry, it's because we are being activated by something in the external environment, which is triggering a, oh, we should be here or we should be there. And often for, for most of us, it can be social media. So have you pinpointed whether it's certain individuals you're hanging around or certain energies you're surrounding yourself by, which is activating that energy? That's a great question. Social media is a big part of it. For me, it's also just the nature of the industry that I'm in. It, B2B SaaS, yeah. you know, startup mentality. It's just like <laughs> grind it out and like sacrifice everything for this major goal at the end uh, type mentality. Yeah. And yeah, and and just our our culture, right? Like as we talked about in the beginning, it's just very focused on on that productivity and that speed and like do, giving everything now. And so there, I think it's a combination of everything that creates that um, sort of polarity, right? And it goes back to really internalizing, creating space to remove yourself from social platforms every once in a while. And, you know, creating space in your morning routine. I have actually added a evening reflection, which has been a beautiful practice after the day is done to say, okay, how did I move through the day? What was, what did, what worked? What felt really great? What didn't? What did I learn? What do I want to carry with me into tomorrow? What do I not want to carry with me into tomorrow? And that pause at the end of the day really helps as well to kind of shape how I move forward and just reframe, right? Like bring it back down, like create that space and say, okay, you know, is that hectic or chaotic energy something that I need that's serving me or can I just let that go? Can I get a great night's sleep and wake up and already sort of have my, uh, my mentality uh, set, right? And so that's been a helpful practice as well as just unplugging sometimes from 
social media platforms, getting into nature. I've been doing so much hiking out here, but just getting outside and getting like 15 minutes of sun can be, can help just regulate and help you remember what you do already know uh, to be true and, and just help to reframe that narrative. Sales kickoff season is coming, people, and I love it, man. I love it because it's such an exciting time as a speaker, but for enablement professionals and revenue leaders, well, it can be kind of stressful, you know, and having delivered storytelling keynotes and workshops for revenue teams like NetSuite, Crunchbase, and AB Tasty, I know it's not just about motivation and inspiration, but also about finding the right speaker who can educate your audience and spark a long lasting shift in behavior. So, hey, if you are thinking about storytelling as a theme for kicking off your new fiscal year, then head on down to www.theraviRajani.com forward slash speaking to check out my speaker reel, take a look at some of my topics and some customer stories to see if there's a fit. And if there is, then you can scroll down to the bottom and book an alignment call with me directly. All right, let's get back to the show. Isn't it insane that probably about five years ago, for both of us, the things that we wanted and the life that we wanted to lead, we're probably living it. We're, we're probably living it. I know for me, some of the things that I've dreamt of, I'm living that stuff. And often when I feel out of alignment and I'm looking for more, I'm like, hold on, hold on, bro. Hold on for a second. Like the, three years ago, the rav that you were craved for, for exactly everything you have now. So like, why? That's why I think about companies who say we want to scale, but I'm like, I'm not against scaling. I'm not against more, but as long as the why and the anchor is there, that's dope versus, oh yeah, just more money or because yeah, we should, we need to, that's the next step. So for you, one thing that I've noticed, which I really admire about you, is your ability to show up unapologetically self-expressed in an industry where is it celebrated? I think more so than ever before, but it, it can be difficult, especially for new reps. So what advice would you give to a seller who wants to showcase more of who they are, but is scared of alienating their prospects and losing the deal as a result. Because I think that a lot of people feel that, but I think you've got to a space where you, I don't know if you're like, ah, I don't care. Or if you're just in a state where you only care about attracting the right people, talk to that for a second. Isn't it funny that like sometimes the thing that we're afraid of is the exact thing that's actually like what we need to do. <laughs> mm. So you totally. just, the, the language that you used was, Maybe somebody's afraid to show up authentically because they're afraid of being alienated by the buyer and losing the deal. When in fact, yeah. if you do show up authentically and you connect with the individual, it does so much more for the deal. And you actually build a connection that spans way beyond the deal. And that means more than the deal ever would. And it actually could create even more success and opportunity for you. Yes. Right. So it's usually the thing that we're afraid of that if we step into we can't even imagine the, the positive outcome that it could have. The fear is usually a signal of the thing that we need to step, step toward. And so, you know, I, I think the, the first important part of this is getting to know yourself, as we talked about, to know what authentic feels like to you, right? And so going on that journey of self-discovery, 
to be able to show up authentically and check in with yourself regularly on what is true. That's another journal prompt that I do in the mornings is what is true? Like, what's true to me? I, what, not any, what anybody else is telling me. Like, what's true for me right now? What's on my heart? What do I know to be true? What's unfinished is another really helpful prompt too, because we've got all these things we're working on. What's unfinished helps to really help prioritize what we're going to focus on. And then what decisions am I making as a result based on my truth? When you can show up from that place, it, the rest falls into place. The rest doesn't matter because you're able to really step forward into your truth. Uh, so get to know yourself and start to operate from that place. And if you're noticing that you're, you have fear in actually removing the veil, step into it. Actually, that's the thing. That's the thing that uh, you actually need to do is to step forward into it. And maybe just, it's a baby step. Maybe dip your toe first and start with one, you know, removing the veil and asking one question that maybe is off, off what you normally wouldn't, right? And then once you start to witness yourself in that space, you'll gain the confidence to remove the veil altogether. Uh, it's that, it's like witnessing yourself doing the things that you're afraid of that is going to help build the confidence to just show up in that way. So for me, they're building a business from nothing. You're constantly in that state. You're constantly in a state of fear and you're constantly in a state of needing to step into it. And you're constantly witnessing yourself, you know, succeed or fail, whatever the outcome is. But putting yourself in that position is the best way to continue to move forward and to improve and to develop. So I've done that for so long. I've exposed myself to so many, uh, you know, situations and step past fear in so many ways and so many, just every single day, that's my life. <laughs> so that has allowed me to be comfortable with being authentic because I've seen myself, I've witnessed myself do that and have success with it. And now it's really the basis of my culture at my company is to show up authentically. Everybody that is on my team, it's embraced, it's supported because it's so important to the buyer experience. And it's a reason that clients come to us. It's a reason that they want to work with us because it's refreshing, right? They, it's a pattern disrupt now, which is unfortunate, but it's a pattern disrupt. It's refreshing for them to have a place where they can be themselves too. And it's the call of the week or the you know, the relationship or the partnership that they look forward to because it can be real and because we're creating that space and that invitation for them to be real when we're authentic as well. So first, get to know yourself so that you know what is true and you can show up authentically and continue to step forward into that fear because that's the exact thing that's going to help you completely be able to remove the veil more comfortably and more consistently. I had a mentor back in 2018. He said, yo, Rav, listen, on the other side of fear is everything that you truly want. And I said, okay, interesting. And then I had another mentor in 2020 who talked about the differences between when we fear something, if there's anxiety, that's one thing. But if there is discomfort, that's another. Anxiety could be a signal of, yo, don't do that. Don't hang out with that person. They're not good for you. But discomfort could be lean into that, lean into that thing. And it sounds as though from what I'm hearing, it's about taking that micro step so you can stack the wins. And as a result, sharing the parts of you, which you've hidden for so long, becomes normalized. So then when you do get to sharing those chunky things with the world, with your prospects, it feels like, hey, 
I'm no longer in fight, flight or freeze. This is just my new normal. And I think something for everybody to take away here is Patricia's talking about personal things versus private, right? So for example, Patricia's story that she's shared about what she's processing right now, I guarantee in a year's time, if I asked you about that, it's like, yo, this is what I learned. This is the thing that really shifted for me and impacted me. So I think there's a difference between sharing something that's personal and private, because I think there's a good distinction to make. And there's also that distinction of sharing something when you have the tangible takeaways, right? But one thing that you've mentioned a lot today was finding my truth, finding my truth. Now, if there's somebody who's like, yo, I don't know my truth, Patricia, I I don't know my truth. How can somebody collapse time from where they are now to getting to a place where they are able to understand their values, how their energy, how they want to live and what's in alignment. Is it hypnotherapy? Is it coaching? Is it deeper journaling? Is it opening up to friends nearby? What is the one thing that you would recommend somebody do to collapse time? That's the thing we're all trying to do, right? Is (laughs) collapse time. How can we, how can we get more? How can we be more efficient with our time? I think it's not just one thing. And that's, that's the, that's the answer is that it isn't one thing. I think it's the varied experience. I think it's putting yourself, trying the things that you haven't yet or exposing yourself, just broadening the perspective. So if you are somebody that journals, maybe try something else too. Try breath work or try sauning or try, you know, getting a mentor or try, I don't know, try, try different avenues and different channels because You'll learn a lot about yourself by doing the things that you're not already doing. That's that. I think that's the most important part of finding your truth. So, yeah, I'd say vary your life experience and put yourself in situations, and not from a place of I want to check it off the list or I want to find the shortcut here, but enter that from the perspective of curiosity and seeing what you may learn through that process. Not necessarily, again, I want to like this or not like this, or I want to check this off the list. Without preference involved, you're just showing up without expectation and seeing what you learn, seeing what you learn about yourself in the process. And maybe it's something that you'll continue uh, you know, practicing throughout your life and maybe not. And if not, that's okay. And you'll still learn something through that experience. And so if you're looking for Um, ways to really understand who you are and understand your truth. The best way to find it is varying your life experience, putting yourself out there, speaking to people that you would normally speak to about things that you normally wouldn't speak to with such curiosity that you're bound to really learn more about yourself and the way you perceive yourself and how you perceive the world and how the world interacts back with you. One thing that is coming up for me when I think of everything you've just said in today's episode is the idea that after a certain point, no more amount of clarity comes from thought because you're very experiential driven. I don't even think that's a word. I think I just made it up, but you're very experience driven, right? Like you go out there, you try things and then you navigate how that feels for you. And then you iterate over time, which is how RevShop was built, which is crazy, right? Which is another podcast for another day, people. We can't we can't get into that now, right? But it's very interesting. What you're talking about is taking action, but 
your version of action is experiences. And I feel like what you're telling the audience is figure out what your version of action is because clarity comes from doing, not just sitting there and journaling the whole time, right? It's an important practice, but not the whole thing. Now, I know that you're very spiritual. And it's funny because on paper, we've got CEO in the SaaS space, highly spiritual. We've got somebody who is a leader to so many people and so many individuals and companies are pulling for her attention, yet we've got an individual who values solitude. So the world that you operate in versus the parts of you which are the most magnetic and that you value, there's a bit of a polarizing nature to the two. So how do you balance the parts of you which oh, crave just getting away and needing to disconnect with a team like, hey, Patricia, can you look at this? Can you tell me about this? What about that? What about that? What's your practice to getting back to self in times of chaos? Oh, man. Well, first I'll say through this journey of experience and really learning who you are, it's you're going to see parts of yourself and you're going to learn parts of yourself that you don't necessarily always always don't get to put on display or that maybe you don't want to put on display. Uh, and, <laughs> and I think it's important to accept that we are this, we're kaleidoscopes. Like we have so many sides and that's okay. And we learn how, and we get to choose like which sides we show up as and which ones feel the best for us in whatever situation that we're in. And I've really learned that each of us are these kaleidoscopes with these different sides that are so unique to us. And so, Ravi, what you bring to the world is so uniquely you. And it's so important to be able to share that with the world, too. The world wants it just as much as, you know, you want to show it at times. And so what makes us uniquely us is actually the thing that can best serve the world and help us connect with the world around us and the people around us. And so be having these polarizing sides of, you know, professional leadership and entrepreneur and being sort of a bridge to a very spiritual world. I found that the professional world actually really connects with uh, and actually enjoys some of the spiritual sides that I'm able to authentically bring to them, right, in a way that they can understand and digest and uh, and resonate with. And so, don't be afraid to show the authentic sides of the kaleidoscope to different audiences, because again, they're the things that make you uniquely you, and it's the thing that could really connect you with somebody else and change their life. And you had you had no idea you were scared to show it. And so, I think it's really. For me, my, in my experience, it's been less about like turning one off and trying to recenter and, you know, amongst the chaos, it's actually like bridging them together in a way that feels great for me and a way that doesn't feel like I'm uh, tuning off or hiding any parts of myself. And the, the experience, the outcome of that has actually been really positive and again, has helped me to connect with so many people that Otherwise, a lot of people are just afraid to show, right? They're afraid to, to make that connection. And it's been really a beautiful experience to, to lead, to build a business from that place and see what it's done to you know, my team and to see what it's done for our, 
uh, my clients to be able to show up in that way. So I'd say don't be afraid to to bridge some of that um, and, and bring some of that authenticity into environments where they they don't typically live. But there will be chaos no matter what. And I think it's always just returning to some of those practices that help you feel realigned, help regulate your nervous system. Again, whether it's, you know, something physical, like hitting the gym. I'm a huge boxer. I actually love kickboxing. Are you? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like... It love it. Change my, yeah, change. It's like all of the stress that you have, it's pent up. You can use it. You can really just sort of let it explode. Whereas, you know, other practices of mine are yoga where it's more recentering and grounding and, you know, very peaceful. And so it's using whatever you know, whatever practices or tools you have in your toolkit. So movement as the, the release of the outlet is so important. And then some of those mental and emotional practices as well, like journaling and breath work uh, have been, have been really important practices for me as well. It's so, fu- it's so funny you say this. So I hired a boxing trainer since the beginning of the year and I've probably had probably about I don't know maybe about eight or nine sessions now and in my head I was going to be like Michael B. Jordan in Creed like bah, 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 bah. and then session one he was like okay it's ain't a movie bro right you need to like we need to get a few pointers just like fundamentals down and it's so funny how I look versus the actual truth oh man it's the I need to close that gap so it is so humbling, humbling for sure. being a student in the world of boxing because I'm around kids who are like nine years old, who are hitting the pads, who are crushing it. And I'm like the old dude in the corner, like trying to make it happen. So yeah, humbling. I love that. It's so humbling. And also a testament that like, you're never too old to try new things, to have new experiences and to become a master at something. So I love that. We'll have to, we'll have to kickbox. Yeah, I'm not sure about the kicks, right? For the kicks, I'll let you teach me that. I'm just on the boxing flex. I don't think I've got the flexibility for the kicks. That's too much for me already. But no, I love it. I love it. Now, what I want to finish up as the penultimate question for you is if I were to say, okay, Patricia, let's fast forward three years. Three years, okay? You and I are hanging out on this podcast again. And I say, Patricia, what happened? Like, what's going on with you today? What I'm curious to know is besides the story of feeling like we need to hurry, what is one story that you need to start telling yourself today so that in three years time, you show up as the human being you envision up here? And I'm pointing to my head for those listening. Such a good question. Again, I think it's, it's somewhat aligned to that story of like feeling rushed and needing to hurry through the chapter that you're on to get to your next. Well, Coincidentally, the story is for me that I need to do, I need to be a certain version of myself. I need to like collect certain things and certain skills and experiences and talents before I can show up as this next chapter as well. So if I'm trying to do something in three years, I'm not that person now. I gotta, I gotta work on X, Y, Z, right? Like it's a, these are excuses that we tell ourselves maybe out of fear that we're just not ready. You know, we're not ready to, to be that next evolution of ourselves and put ourselves out there. And building rev shop, starting a business, I was, I was in the same place. I wasn't ready. There's was so much that I learned along the way, right? And so it's a story that continues to show up for me. I think for a lot of people that 
are evolving and just growing and trying to learn and improve mm-hmm. that we need to just be comfortable with showing up as the version of ourselves right now and starting just start start at the version you are today and just operate at the level that you aspire to and you'll meet you'll meet yourself there like you'll you'll organically evolve into that person because you, you're showing up now and you're taking action right and i think that's an important uh, dialogue that i have with myself constantly it's like you don't have to wait just start just start you have to be a different version of yourself to get what you want to start now <laughs> it'll it'll happen you'll get there you know and so that that's an important one uh, along with you know hey enjoy where you are today enjoy the journey that you're having now and don't rush through uh, to to the next phase or you know where you're trying to get really appreciate and recognize where you are today you know it's interesting i think people often glamorize the idea of okay i'm going to become this person and i want to do these things and i need to possess these skills but what's often not talked about is the friendships that you lose along the way the loneliness that can often come with the solitude and finding yourself the ability to believe in yourself when other people can't see that version of you just yet. you got to back yourself. So even though we're talking about all good things here, people note that it it can come with some form of darkness sounds a bit <laughs> intense, but moments of questioning along the way. And one thing I like to think about is if I'm faced with a decision is the Ravi that I want to be in two, three years what character traits and things does he need to embody to be able to make this decision? Or rather, let's embody those character traits now so I can start to morph into that human being over time. And you're, you're not in your head, so you're with me. So you're with me. 100%. Yes, I say that to my team all the time. Operate at the level you okay. aspire to. Operate at the level you aspire to. If you want to be somewhere else than where you are today, you have to there's a gap. You're not there yet because you're not showing up as the person, you know? And so if you operate at the level that you aspire to, it does, you'll meet yourself there. And, and as you do that, you're growing so much as a person personally and professionally that naturally the people around you are going to change, you know, your, your environments and this, the situations that you put yourself around and just the people that you relate to are different. You know, it it does change you and, and it's a part of the journey. It's a part of a rebirth in a sense. And it's just a part that you have to also be comfortable with is leaving some folks behind and also thanking that chapter, thanking that relationship for what it's taught you and for who you've become as a result. But it's okay that not every single part of your old life travels with you into the next. And so I can really relate to that. And, you know, as I, as I built Rev Shop, I mean, I, I've changed my friend circle. I've left relationships. I've, you know, I've, I've just really changed every other aspect of my life because that evolution is happening and that growth happens. So as you level up uh, yourself, your environment will also tend to, to level up. So true. Uh, Somebody wise once said, people come into your life for seasons, reasons, or a lifetime, right? They're often there to teach you something, or they're going to be there for that period of time, which is aligned with that version of you, or you're going to be homies for life, right? So appreciate you, my friend. This is a good episode. It 
fills me, well, it fills up my cup. It's good for the soul. So let me let me leave you with the final question or let us leave you with a final question, which is, as you know, the show is called The Influential Communicator. So who is somebody that you look up to as an influential communicator today? Uh, I have so many. Uh, I have so many people in my life that have helped helped me uh, get to where I am. And when I think about right now, um, who I communicate with from like a mentorship standpoint um, or has a big influence in my life, you probably, you know him. He's a good friend of both of ours. Kevin Dorsey has been uh, such a good friend of mine. He was actually one of my first clients when I started the business. And yeah, so he's like early days client who turned mentor and who turned very close friends. And has sort of been my my soundboard um, and support through a lot of different chapters, <laughs> a lot of those rebirths and a lot of those just evolutions of both Rev Shop and of of me. And so, love it. He's definitely a, a mentor of mine and a close friend that has helped navigate some of that, some of the change. And forever grateful for Mr. Dorsey. Good dude. Good dude and prolific speaker and communicator as well. He's he possesses characteristics which are hard to find, right? Because he he's he pulls on the personal development, he pulls on the sales and SaaS experience, he pulls on the communication and speaking very hard. And he's actually got an incredible episode, which I'm gonna get the link put inside of the show notes, people. I think it was episode like 30-ish. Don't quote me. All right. Don't quote me, but you'll find it. You'll find it in the show notes. So ladies and gents, that's Patricia McLaren. My friend, where can people go to learn more about RevShop? They can check out RevShop.com or check out LinkedIn. I'm Feel free to, to ping me or connect with me on LinkedIn and I'm happy to chat. And yeah, that's probably the best spot. I said to you about 15 minutes ago, I was like, okay, final question. Well, I knew this. I knew that wasn't going to happen today. But listen, ladies and gents, if you enjoyed today's episode, here's what I need you to do. All right. I need you to take a screenshot of where you're listening to this right now. I want you to then head on down to LinkedIn, tag myself and Patricia, and let us know if there was one thing that deeply impacted you in today's episode. What was it and why? All right. I'll see you next week. Same time, same place for another episode. Peace. I have a question for you, my friend. And that question is, is what would it take to have you subscribe to the Influential Communicator podcast and leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice? Because I tell you what, my friend, my big mission is to help B2B sellers and all listeners of this show sell more by becoming influential storytellers and communicators without without suppressing their personality and disowning their value so hey the more the word gets out about this podcast the more people we can gather on this mission so if you could support me then hey that would be dope and if not that's dope too either way i got love for you all right i'll see you on the other side